So with the blind uh, coming out soon, um, Zach, what I've noticed is is with independent films, uh, especially, I guess, faith films, it's, it's really hard to get that momentum like the big studios have because they have these big contracts, all that stuff, and we're just kind of building this thing from scratch. Is that is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, and I think just underscores the importance of getting out now. Buying tickets today, they're for sale right now as we're sitting here talking. Uh, the movie comes out September 28th, but... And I really want to encourage you guys to get out and purchase your tickets today at theblindmovie.com. And I think we're viewing this movie from our perspective as a mission effort. I mean, this is the gospel going out to impact yeah. people's lives because it impacted our lives. So check it out, theblindmovie.com. Uh, buy your tickets today. I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome to Unashamed. I guess we're back how we started <laughs> it was the three of us we were in tony and phyllis's bedroom now it was the old lodge and just the three of us started the unashamed podcast we don't have it no no gas no zach it's down to the three today zach flamed out <laughs> whereabouts unknown i've got a text out to him and i'm sure he'll respond but as time goes by <laughs> It was fine like next week sometime. It'll be like it just happened. Yeah, exactly. So that's the way he rolls. Maybe he had some kind of, you know, what do you call them? Reception uh, when you can't get a signal. Yeah. Technical difficulty. Yeah, that's when I was in Wyoming, there was, there was no signal to be found. But Phil, you'd have loved it. Yep. I'm going. I'm going uh, this weekend. Because we, Wyoming? We, I'm going to Wyoming. I inspired you to go to you Wyoming. You inspired me, Jason. So I looked at I looked ahead at the projected temperatures for Louisiana, and it's ranging from 102 to 105 for the next week to 10 days. And so, and it was already hot before. So I said, you know what? Was we got a little break coming up? I said, I think I'm going. Jace went up. I heard about how cool it was up there. So I looked at their temperatures. That wasn't cool. Well, but it was hot, but it was cooler feeling. Yeah, but so since you were there, because it's been a couple of weeks since you were there. So up there right now, that same time frame, high is 75, Ooh. low 49. Lovely. At night. That's chilly. That's a jacket. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got to go dig through and find me a jacket. But I'm thinking, you know what? The only signal, the beauty of it all, the only signals that these Montana cats got up in the middle of nowhere up in there, hand signals. (laughs) (laughs) Hand signals are still there. They're still there. But but, but they're not tapped in yet. (laughs) No. So we won't be doing any podcasts. They're not looking at a little black box. (laughs) I bet a few of them I got news from I'm one of the few people who's not from Montana. But I'm acting like I am. Well, the only time only time I ever was in Wyoming, Lisa spoke in Cheyenne. Or, of course, you know, when you're not from a place, it's like when somebody says Louisiana, everybody says, oh, New Orleans. That's what they tell me. I say, well, we're we're like five, almost five hours away from New Orleans. Like, yeah, it's in our state, but it's at the other end. Well, and it's it, weird. And completely different than the way we live. Yeah, New Orleans is different from the entire rest of the state. <laughs> That's I would right. say it's like... It's almost like its own little state. It's little a different country inside the state. It is. But people think that. So so same with Wyoming. So you say, well, oh, yeah. So I was going to Cheyenne. I said, oh, I've always heard how pretty it is. And no, not to people that are listening from Cheyenne. But when I when I got there, I was expecting mountains, you know, the Tetons, all that. Well, apparently that's – I was on the wrong end of Wyoming because when I drove in, I thought – well, this looks exactly like Dodge City, Kansas. You know, I mean, it was a cow town. It's flat. You know, there's, you know, you could tell it's like totally different. So I, le- I learned that states are different. So this time we're going to the eastern side and see the mountains, but mainly just for the weather. No, I think you'll like it. I think about too. We've it, never been, so we're it's taking very two. vast. Yeah, which is I like that. If we ever get. An overpopulation issue, or you know, some of these people are oh, being a, overpopulated, or just go to Wyoming. Trust me, there's there's room. <laughs> there's as much room as you need. 
Montana, the Dakotas. I mean, it's just far as you can see. Right. So. Did you see wildlife like buffalo and elk and stuff like that? It's all buffalo. Yeah. There was one place we had to drive by every day. There was a big herd of buffalo. And uh, one of the days we... Are they being were, farmed or, or is it just a herd? I think they're just now they're like you roaming, know, right? I mean, I was just driving by them. I don't know. They uh, It would be hard to tell in the middle of the... I, mean, you know, I think they're trying to just like repopulate them to roam around like on their own. But. I mean, it was several hundred. And uh, they were just... One, one day they were right by the road. I mean, so I wasn't going to be that guy to get out and say, hey, Mr. Buffalo. You know, I mean, he's, they'll hurt you. <laughs> That's a big animal. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you spook him. But we all just slowed down and and looked. You know what I saw a lot of in Wyoming, which is interesting, I don't know why I'm popped in my head, we saw a lot of bald eagles. And yeah. They did. I saw a ton in Alaska. but So they had these. They migrate to a certain extent, so we see them come through here. But up there, I think, is kind of where they live. Well, down here you'll see what one or two, yeah, you know, but you don't see a bunch like what yeah, we saw a bunch. But there was there was a there's these little a lot of things live in the ground in Wyoming because it gets a cold. You know, they dig tunnels, so they got all forms of badgers and prairie dogs and all this. And That's what the eagles. There eat. was a yeah, these eagles. I could tell they would get on these little mounds, and you'd see all those little holes there were, and they're just sitting there. And I was like, man, how would you like to wake up? <laughs> Stick your head out of the ground and say, good morning, everybody. And then an eagle just. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, it's talons in the back. Vicious. Because Missy was like, oh, look at the pretty eagle on top of that mound. I was like, well, if you keep watching, you're going to have nightmares about what's fixed to happen there. <laughs> you know, they build. So they told us when we've seen them up in Alaska, you know, they, they mate like for life, I think. And like they build these elaborate nests. And so I mean, we think of a bird nest, but look, I saw an eagle's nest that looked like somebody had built a treehouse. I mean, this thing was massive, and they said it had, you know, they just keep adding to it because they're, they're there all the time. So that thing was like 30 years old. Well, Phil, you had a duck blind one time in a tree. Remember, they called it Eagle's Nest. Yep. There was a nest above you. Eagle's Nest, for sure it is. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah, they're an amazing bird. I mean. Yeah, we've done some pretty good duck blind making up in trees right yeah we still have some that are most of them are floaters but i mean there is something unique about hunting out of a tree high water line with blinds yeah i mean the best way to do it is be on a floater right he's standing on five or six big cypress logs he just comes up and goes down with the water of course the trick is you better be there when it starts up or down because get the slack and the ropes but i wonder if it's i wonder that if it's because when we hunted when we were kids in that that cypress tree blind the one you you know up on moss lake i wonder if that's why that experience of that because it's a different kind of hunting yep than hunting on the water so it i don't know maybe that's because i've always it's almost like nostalgic to me now to hunt off a tree yep for ducks, I mean, it's just a different kind of hunt. Yep. Now, you're right. The male and female bald eagles mate for life, only finding a new mate if theirs dies. Yeah. And lay from one to three eggs a year. You remember that movie where uh, you know, they were trying to get the eagle eggs for power? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Not really. So juvenile bald eagles are dark brown with white modeling and don't develop their iconic white head and tail until they're four or five years old. Hmm. Interesting. So we went to a we went to a place where you got to see them like a it was like a zoo type thing, but it's a it's a place where they bring injured eagles. There's so many in Alaska, so they bring them in there, and they got a whole separate thing, and you could see them, but it was kind of you couldn't get too close to them because they're still wild and they're trying to repair like a broken wing or whatever. And then they'll re-release them if they don't keep them too long or if something's like permanently wrong with them. So they had a few there that had stuff they couldn't fix. So you got to look at them. But, I mean, I was stunned at first when you look at them up close when you're right next to one, how big they are. Oh, they're big. Huge bird. So don't get to feel all warm and fuzzy because 
there's another bird that mates for life, the black vulture, known as the buzzard. The buzzard. Really? I didn't know. I did not know that. So, well, I was thinking of all these birds. I've never seen a buzzard. Do buzzards nest on the ground, or do they nest? No, on they just—they uh, don't have a nest. It—it it, it actually. Because I've never yeah. seen a nest, a, bu- a buzzard on a nest. I've never seen that. No, it says. Uh, let's see, where did I just read that? The vulture species doesn't build a nest, but rather lays its eggs on the ground or okay. in hollow cavities. Yeah, we've had had buzzards. Drop oh. their egg in one of them duck blinds. Oh, no, right. yeah. And what what do we have to do to the blind? Well, Burn it? <laughs> no. Well, we had to rebuild. I mean, you could, once the buzzard, oh, there's a spiritual lesson here somewhere. Because once the buzzard moves in, you, you can never dwell there again. That 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 old blind had to be cut off. It's and death. a new blind had to form, had to appear. Because the smell... I mean, there's some things that stink. There's some things that stink to a point to where they just, it doesn't leave. <laughs> some biologist, uh, I think it was Dan's dad, Gary, Gary, he said there's microbes in that dung from a buzzard that'll kill thousands. <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, so he got up there and with peroxide, I don't know what, or some, some kind of liquid. It was probably right where his camera area was. That's yeah, why he wasn't... Yeah. So we had to kind of spray up, spray the, the buzzard nest and everything, you know, just just to, for the microbes. He said it's real dangerous. I mean, there's a lot of microbes. Well, and that's around. their that's their role, you know. They're they're Dead part of meat, you know. They're uh, part of nature's uh, cleaning system. Yep. I about hit one coming down here today, which I I make sure I avoid them because you know, Jason. You remember the time we were we were flying in a little small plane somewhere i think it was we were going to uncle wade's funeral and we're coming in to land you know we're like we're six eight hundred feet off the deck you know we're coming in and all of a sudden we just go straight up i mean you know of course it scares scares everybody you know because it's, it's not the normal move you're you're used to going in and so then the old guy uh alan the pilot he comes on he says sorry about that uh Big buzzard. He said, you don't want to hit one of them. <laughs> I mean, he was so nonchalant. They, we were back there. They brought planes down before. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he wasn't as, uh, he didn't seem to be as afraid of like that happening, but he was more afraid of the stink on his airplane. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, you don't want to hit one of them. That's, that's, you don't get rid of that smell. I mean, he was kind of like more worried about the smell. And I was thinking, I'm back there hyperventilating, thinking we almost yeah. crashed. I'll never forget that. That was crazy. Yeah. Well, you ready to get some text? Do some Bible stuff? Let's go for it. Where do we leave off? Luke? We're in Luke chapter 11. Um, I keep trying to say we're already in 12. I've been doing that this whole time, putting the wrong thing in the notes. Well, they put these these things in between the paragraphs and the numbers, which, you know, the Bible wasn't written in the form that you read it with the numbers. But it's actually... The last paragraph in chapter 11, I mean, he just continues to go on to chapter 12, and it's along the same lines. Would you agree with Right, that? yeah. He's just going to continue that discussion. I mean, the crowd gathers there, and uh, it's a very unique passage because, you know, a crowd by the thousands forms, and then Jesus starts, he's looking to the disciples and saying something, looking to the crowds, looking to the... Yeah, it's almost like he's yeah. having two conversations going on at the same time. Hang on, let's let's take a break. So our uh, podcast is called Unashamed, and one of the ways that we talk about living the unashamed life is to have accountability, uh, first to God uh, and the Holy Spirit, but then also we help each other by having accountability people in our lives. And one of our sponsors is a group called Covenant Eyes, and that's what they're all about. They're helping you have accountability because, you know, pornography becomes one of those heart-mind issues in an individual life because it's done typically in secret, right? I mean, it's something that a person individually battles. And so it's like, well, I can't get out of this, but you can if you have other people involved in your life to help you. And so the idea of James five sixteen, confess your sins, 
uh, so you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's the idea of bringing someone in to help carry the burdens like Galatians 6 do. And that's what these guys do is they help provide accountability to all your devices. They're going to help you to not go to places that are going to destroy your witness, your heart, your mind, your family, your relationship, because that's what pornography does. So we love these guys. We love what they stand for. They've been doing it uh, for over 22 years, uh, and they can help you in this. So you're not alone. You can get accountability. We want to encourage you to sign up for a free 30 days at CovenantEyes.com. And use the promo code Phil to get started. So you got 30 free days to check it out. It's going to be helpful for your life, especially those of you out there that are struggling with this particular sin. CovenantEyes.com. Enter the promo code Phil. Get started today. So, yeah, you're right, Jason. That number, the crap, is in many thousands. Uh, I, I looked up that Greek word, and uh, it was... It, it, Tens of thousands is is what it meant. I mean, by this time, so so it's at least ten thousand people that have come together. But it's almost like Jesus is having this. He's like Jay said, he's having this like personal conversation. He turns his disciples, then he's back to the crowd. And I don't know how he's. Well, they didn't have microphones, right? I mean, I don't know how you speak to a group that large. Somebody, some things I read said they back in the old days. Of course, you had like natural amphitheaters, and that's why you got in the water, and there's you know natural things you could do. But they said that you know when you had a huge crowd, they were pretty good about like passing on like things that were said at the front. It just like a wave it ripples right to the back. So, but it'd almost be like I guess like an interpreter. Day. You know how oh, we I speak think with that's the term. What was happening? Yeah, I think you know he'd be speaking, and then somebody would pass it on. And- and then it just went, you're wondering if it's like that game by the time it got to the fringe of the crowd. That's right. If it's like was it, pharisaical was it? teachings, you know. <laughs> you got to make sure you get the right guy passing on the intel. I told you all one time I was in Mexico and uh, our old friend Manny Canales. And Manny, is, was, he was born in Mexico, I think, but he spent most of his life in the U.S. And so he doesn't speak Spanish very well. He's Mexican, but he spent most of his life in the U.S. And so... He was our interpreter on this medical mission. So, you know, I'm I'm speaking one day to this crowd of people because we would preach or speak sometimes to the people waiting to be seen by the medical people. And so I would say a sentence because I'd worked with interpreters before, and that's kind of how you do it. Then you just wait a second, they say it, and then you just kind of get a rhythm with them. Well, I would say a sentence or two, and then Manny would go for five minutes. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, I mean, he's not saying what I'm saying. He's just preaching. <laughs> I mean, we could just cut me out. I guess I was just feeding him an idea, and then he was doing his own preaching. <laughs> I can see that. It was pretty funny. Especially if you're a believer, though. You get excited. Oh, yeah. He was fired up, you know, and that's the way man he is. So before we get to 12, uh, there were a few things back from 11 that I wanted to mention because we, we talked in the last podcast uh about these six woes that, and Jace, you read the text before. Um, we we did these six woes from the to the half of them were to the Pharisees, half of them were to the teachers of the law, or I call them the lawyers. They weren't lawyers in the sense that we think of lawyers today, but that's what they were. They were experts in the law. Most Pharisee Pharisee sects would have a group of these lawyer types with them to make sure that nobody was interpreting anything the wrong way. Again, the fear was if we get one jot or tittle off. Well, they had what? 613 laws. You know, that still goes on, that mentality. Oh, Oh, yeah. But they had a lot of other laws that we, you know, and I think you call them walls. Yeah, they built Uh, fences around the law to make sure you didn't get too close. Well, what was amazing, even in Jesus's question, you know, when they had the conversation about, I think that was in chapter 10, remember when the the expert in the law, yeah, it was 1025, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus asked him two questions. What is written in the law and how do you read it? But even that guy he had the summation. He had the point. He was like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he had it figured out. Of course, Jesus was, Jesus was like, well, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so then that was the problem because then, then you remember the story. Well, exactly who is my neighbor? And it actually, you know, if you just back up from where we came, you have this interesting story about Jesus coming to Mary and Martha's and Mary just falls at his feet. And Martha's trying to get all the details and get get the you know keep the party going and all, which is a little pharisaical if you think about it. You know, trying to get everything right except the point. And Mary was like, "Whoever th- this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, the Son of God is here." I mean, because that is the whole point of what Luke is saying and the other Gospels. The King is here. God is visiting the planet. Mm-hmm. So. The kingdom is coming. That's Jesus's message, and and you see that you know when we got to the Jesus's teaching on prayer, he's like, "Your kingdom come," and then he introduces this idea of the Holy Spirit in verse thirteen. Well, then he's he drives out the demon, and the reason I'm going back and going through where we're at because the other gospels tie what happens in Luke twelve. To this story, yeah. When he, when Jesus cast out the demons, they said, "Well, the only way you're doing that now, we're talking about Pharisees, is that he must have a demon." So in Mark three, and where's Matthew's at? Yeah, so Matthew 12, Matthew twelve thirty two is the verse you're talking about. That's it. So you'll see the similarities in verse twenty five of Matthew twelve. It says Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, "If every kingdom." divided against itself, will be ruined. Well, that, that's exactly what he was going through in Luke's account in chapter 11. Right. Same same story. But then he ties in this blaspheming of the Holy Spirit here. And that's in verse 32 of Matthew 12. And, Any, it's, and it's Mark 3, yeah, same one, yep. Yeah, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone... He speaks speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. So you say, why are you making big? We're making a big deal about this because you know I think this is probably one of the most talked about verses in the Bible when we get to Luke twelve, and it's like he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And then we I combine mean, that, it with that John, was it First John 5, which talks about the unforgivable sin or unpardonable sin. So you're right. It, it's, yeah, well, it, it first frightens John, me. Well, First John 5 says that there's a sin that leads to death. Yeah, right. That's what I meant, yeah. And uh, he's like, I'm not talking about that. And you're right. like, wait, what? But what? So when you think about it, why does this matter practically? You know, Jesus, when you when you consider anything in life, you just think, is it true? So let's say there's a new product that comes out. I mean, Phil, we'll use your your lightning rod moment in the duck hunting world. So when you said, you know, I think that I should build a duck call that sounds like ducks and sell them. You know, revolutionary idea. And for you people that hadn't listened to the podcast the whole time, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to sell duck calls, you had to go win the world championship duck calling contest. It's in Stuttgart, Arkansas, every year. Then you become famous, and then you are now the authority on duck calls, so you sell them. The problem is to win the world championship duck calling contest, what you're doing is more of an, a display of air control than sounding like a duck. So it was actually a lie. So I said all that to say, is it true? Would would you be better off in the duck hunting world if your duck calls sounded like ducks? Well, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, because up until that time, that really wasn't a thing. That's true. Well, then the second question is, well, will it work? You know, is it true that sounding like ducks? And we had ducks. This duck call sounds like ducks. We had yeah. tapes of ducks, and then we would mimic the ducks and say, you just heard ducks. Now listen to us and ask yourself a question. Does, yeah. does you, do they sound like ducks? You had tape-recorded ducks. 
And then you tape recorded you blowing the duck call. And I went into the world's greatest duck area, duck calls, Dudgard, Arkansas, and was belittled, <laughs> bad mouthed. They said, they laughed. They said, you actually think you'll sell that piece of junk up here? They didn't care what it sounded like. Yeah. But it's because it wasn't a demonstration. Way more than what a duck could do. Yeah, that's what they do. Because I was down there, went. They were like, was but you were a you were a duck hunter that could sound like a duck on a duck call. They were doing a duck calling contest that had nothing to do with duck. That is correct. So that was the difference, and you were trying to bridge the gap. Let's take another break. So your business is uh, humming along, and you get to that point uh, where you get to a certain size, and you start to have a few cracks develop because you can't quite get everything done. And so our friends at NetSuite uh, have three numbers for you, Jace. 36,000, 25, and 1. That's your three numbers. Got it. 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. Uh, streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR. So they have all that. 36,000 companies. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. So that's 25 years of helping your business to do more with less. Close your books in days, not weeks, and drive down your cost. And one, her other number, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your key performance indicators, your KPIs, in one efficient system with one source of truth. So manage your risk, get reliable forecasts, improve your margins, everything you need in one place. So right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistent, excellent performance, absolutely free at netsuite.com slash fill. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash fill. Get your own KPI checklist. Check them out. So my point is... I don't hold it against him, and I don't love him over it, but... <laughs> when it gets to the Pharisees trying to explain how Jesus has this power over demons, because even though it's broke up in Luke's account, there's other stories and predictions in between. You know, we get the light and the darkness and the sign of Jonah. It, it's the same fundamental question. Is what, he, is what Jesus is doing, what, what he's doing, is that true? Is he speaking the truth? And so the Pharisees are challenging him and the experts in the law saying, no, the only reason you can do this, this is not from God. And so that kind of led to what we'll get into in the next podcast in Luke 12, because if, you're, if that's the plan that you're, you're claiming, you're never coming to Jesus. Because right. you're nullifying the fact because the Holy Spirit works to point you to Jesus. Right. So if you're like, well, if you're, you know, he gave some other arguments. If a kingdom is divided against itself or a home, it's not going to, it's not going to stand. And which is true, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you look at any great venture. Once there's disunity and coups going on, what happens? Well, it all falls apart. I mean, it just so Jesus is speaking. It's kind of like looking at the politics of the United States of America. Correct. At the top, if it's corrupt, guess what happens? The people will suffer, and the and the legislation that comes forth doesn't seem to be working because there's corruption here. You know, but you're right, Jay. It's it's, a, it's if you have set preset a narrative that, and according to this context, which plays into what we're talking about in Luke 12 when we get there, is that your narrative is the Holy Spirit, which is which is part is God. It's who he is. I mean, it's the Father, Son, and Spirit. If he is evil, if you can somehow convince yourself in your narrative that the Holy Spirit of God is evil, which is what they were saying, Jesus had an evil spirit, then there's no pathway. It is unforgivable, because how would you ever have a pathway to have a relationship with God if he was evil. So yeah. you see, it's a, it's just a dead, you've built a dead end. But to Jason's point about the, I think what you were saying about the duck calling stuff is if your narrative was to be a good duck caller, you had to be a Stuttgart world champion. 
Not true. Not true. When it came a, to real a duck, duck. A good duck caller could be one who just calls ducks in and shoots them. So, so that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, it, it's the same principle. If you have fake ducks, which are called decoys, and you're trying to make them sound like they're real, well, you need to sound like ducks. Then real ducks would say, hey, you know what? That's ducks. I hear it. So let's join them. The reason we're going into this is because Jesus turns that around in chapter 11 because the Pharisees are basically decoys. And and what they're saying is not real. It it is an illusion. Yeah. But they're claiming Jesus is the one that is an illusion saying, oh, you're just evil. And so that's why. You know, we have to go through this because when you get to chapter 12 and people say, there's an unforgivable sin, I need to stay away from that. Well, it's a little more complicated to explain than just saying, well, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Because most people think that means if you just say something negative about the Holy Spirit, but it's a little deeper than that. So what he's saying, if you think about it, what Jesus is saying is, because he says, I mean, he's part of the Godhead too, but he says, but he understood where they were. They were having a hard time accepting him. Because he came from nowhere. He didn't look like a person who had anything, because he didn't. You know, he didn't fit all these narratives they had in their mind. So he's like, I get it. You're having a hard time accepting me. But if you say that the spirit that lives in me is evil, then you're never going to be able to believe in me. I mean, I think that's his point. I think at, at, at the simple level, I think that's what he said. You've bought into the wrong narrative. And because, but they were trying, they kept looking at him thinking, well, he, he, he can't be from God. I mean, he, look where he's from Nazareth. He can't like, they just couldn't wrap their brains around the fact that this was the way God was going to come to earth. And, you know, they had misread the tea leaves, as they said, they misunderstood. He was not attacking this group over that group over that. He didn't seem to, he didn't seem to have a feeling one way or the other about Rome occupying Israel. I mean, like. He just said, render to Caesar what is he? I mean, he didn't fit anything they thought was going to happen because they saw him coming in, flipping everything upside down, and then them being the rulers of the world. That's the way they thought it was going to go, but it wasn't like that. In fact, the only thing he flipped upside down was everything they had going on. He goes in the temple, he flips over all the tables, and he says, you've turned my father's house into a market. You know, den of thieves. So, I mean, he just didn't fit the narrative. So really it's easier for us to look ahead you know, before we get in more of the Pharisees, because a lot of people are saying, well, what does this mean for us today? You got to remember, Jesus is predicting the kingdom is at hand, and he's the king. And even in teaching them how to pray, he's saying, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. You know, part of our relationship with God, he's come here to bring people to God. And we know why the separation occurred, because of what? Sin and death. God is, has no sin, and God cannot die. So here comes Jesus in the form of a human, and he's fixed to bridge those two gaps, and he's going to use the Holy Spirit of God, which is the other work of God, you know, the Trinity, the three-in-one being that is God. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to help you in that process. Mm-hmm. So if you go ahead, like you read something in Colossians, which is really a, you know, a focus on Jesus. You remember the uh, the famous verse 15 through 20 or 21, you know, it's talking about Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him, all things are created, things in heaven and earth. I mean, this is the same guy that visited our planet. Yeah. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him, for him. He is before all things, in him all Things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. So you see that the church is mm-hmm. almost like an organism. He's the head and, and we're the body. Correct. It has nothing to do with a building. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All right, so we got breaking news. I love having breaking news, Jason. Breaking news. We're doing the podcast. Um Some of you may have already heard this, but we know who the keynote speaker is going to be at the Mighty Oaks 13th Annual Warrior Gala Uh in the Woodlands, Texas, on October 
14th at the beautiful Woodlands Resort. Jace, do you know who's going to be the keynote speaker there? That would be me. <laughs> Jace, yeah. <laughs> if we had like a cheer machine, this is where it would go. Well, I'm really excited because, look, we had Chad Robichaud on the podcast. We hit it off. Uh, what a quality human being this guy That's is. He's guy. helping our warriors he uh, fighting PTSD. And uh, he invited me. I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm looking forward to it. And even though I wasn't doing events this year because of the show and various things, we're doing that one. I love it. You made an exception. All proceeds from this event goes to sponsor veterans through their incredible faith-based recovery programs. They're having this huge battle, especially with veteran suicide, which is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, by supporting these guys and purchasing tickets uh, to the Mighty Oaks Warrior Gala, you're not just attending the event. You're also showing our veterans that they're not alone in the journey. And so it's a great – you can't find a, a greater cause – Grab your friends, grab your family, your neighbors, uh, anyone that has a heart for veterans, and head over to the website right now. It's T-X-G-A-L-A, Texas Gala, T-X-G-A-L-A.com. That's T-X-G-A-L-A.com. That's where you can snag your tickets, find out all the details, and get to hear Jace in the flesh. So we're we're talking about the Father, the Hunt, Son, and the Holy Spirit in human form, and to reconcile to Himself all things, which would include us by making peace through His blood. Well, then it gets to us. You were once alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. I mean, this is the gospel. Verse 23 says that. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Well, all of this was right after, if you you back up the point I wanted to make, is when you get into verse 11, 12, and 13 of Colossians, it says something interesting. Uh, If I just pick up in verse 12, it says, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints look in the kingdom of light so when we're reading about jesus saying the kingdom is coming now post death burial, and resurrection we're skipping ahead to modern day this kingdom has come and you can be a part of it through yep. through what jesus did on, on the cross and his resurrection yep. you're, you're so that's why when you read that about why would would luke right in the middle of that a put about you can't hide a light under a bowl and well jesus is bringing all this to light right he's reconciling the world and he's doing this through the power of the spirit and he's on a mission from the father all the fullness is is dwelling in him so then when you read verse 13 it says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness well part of the darkness that we're discussing is him having the ability to cast out demons uh to live a sinless life. And so he brought us out of that darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it's like we're looking at the prequel of this happening in Luke and it helps you understand it when you realize the consequences in a good way of what Jesus did. That's good. So, you know, it starts making sense. I mean, we probably should have done this last time because it does get confusing when you get held up here in Luke and you're like, well, what is all this big, what's the big deal? Right. Well, the big deal is when you you have a religion like the Pharisees that God instituted based on the law, and now Jesus has come to fulfill that, show you a new way under grace, and he's reconciling the world, the Pharisees were acting like they were religious, but their heart were it was a million miles away. And they were neglecting the very being that came to rescue them. Right. And not only that, they're accusing him of being on the other side. He didn't rescue them from the dominion of darkness. They're like, he is the dominion of darkness. Well, that becomes unforgivable when you get to chapter 12, because how in the world... Would you ever come to Jesus when you're nullifying the very vehicle that's supposed to bring you there? If you got the ones that were running with him, 
And Jesus said, gee, he took the 12 aside, said, y'all come over here a minute. And Luke chapter 18, he said, uh, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of God, Son of Man, will be fulfilled. Uh, he'll be handed over to the Gentiles. I'm just letting you boys know. Uh, they will mock him, uh, insult him, spit on him, and flog uh, him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. It wasn't like, well, you know, he's saying this and that and that. But if your own disciples, your closest followers, are, are, they did not understand any of this, its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. If it's that difficult to get past the ones you've been working with for three years, yep. can you imagine the people, the ones you haven't been working with <laughs> for the last three years? Yeah. When it comes to law, mercy, grace, it it, it just was too much for them. Well, they, they, it, they, they didn't get it. And it was back to what we were talking about earlier, Dad. It shows you how powerful the false narrative was of what Jesus' purpose was in even coming here. And by, by the way, if they didn't get it, the closest ones that work with him in his circle, if they didn't get it, what do you think about 2,000, over 2,000 years later, when we're doing what we're doing right now, on how many say, ah, they'll ever get that Bible out of my face. They'll mock you, they'll mock you for it. Oh, yeah, he's like Bible thumpers, you know. They thinking the hell, there's a hell. You know, they're hollering about people being raised from the dead. I mean, not it's only a joke. That, yeah, not only that, Phil, they'll say, I've had people in debates and arguments say, well, you're not following the whole Bible because you're not doing, you know, they'll read something under the old law, one of these 600 laws, which, yep. by the way, one of them was the penalty of sorcery is death in the Old Testament. Well, that's what they were really accusing Jesus of. Yep. In fact, if they're saying you are using the demonic world, well, they were trying to lay a case where they could kill him, which that narrative didn't leave because that's what they were trying to do the whole time. That's right. But you got to remember where people are wrong who argue that today is that we, this whole Bible is inspired by God and this is what he laid out. When we get to the New Testament and when it says we're no longer under the old law, even though the old law is in the Bible, the New Testament, and we acknowledge that it, that is part of the Bible, but we're also acknowledging that later it says you're no longer under that law. That's right. So it, it's a, it's a terrible argument, but it's people who don't, they don't know Jesus. They were, they were, they, they didn't get it. And when Jesus was heading toward the the, the, the crossbars, he was thinking to get hung on. They didn't understand what. No, was and, and and you're right. Let's take another. We keep thinking they know the story. We had it because we've got the story from the beginning, which they didn't didn't have, and th and they just find it something. I mean, it was weird that that. They, they just don't get it. But you're right in, in bringing it up here, Dad, because this is a point where the crowd size now has gotten into the now multiple thousands. So imagine they're looking at, they don't think he's the son of God, but they can't argue that something's happening. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people don't start fl flocking to something unless it's a big deal. So that there was the confusion in it all. And what's interesting is right when you think he's about to, Take off. He's got the army. Let's do this thing, even though they don't understand it. He takes a lonely walk to a cross. And, Jace, to your point about blaspheming, that was the main thing, their charge against him to kill him, oh, that exactly. he was blaspheming. Remember, they said he's a blasphemer. He's he's saying that he can forgive sins. He can, you know, that's what they wind up hanging him on, you know, the cross, yeah. and which is interesting because it's the one thing he says that they're guilty of by denying the Holy Spirit. So the bottom line is the problem with the Pharisees is is the same problem that all other religions or, or all other, you know, truths in quotation marks that people put their trust in without Jesus. And it's the one that says you can do this. You can win God's favor or you can be successful. And we even say, thing, you know, be all you can be, you know, 
Well, even that's one of our country's motto. You yeah. know, you can be all what you can be. But when you think about it practically, you know, if you're 12 years old, you can make a list of what you want to be. And you could say, you know, I'm going to be a professional golfer. I'm going to be, I'm going to win a World Series. I may be president. I, I think I'll be president, change the world. Well, you can have all these aspirations. But what happens in, in real life? You're not able to pull it off. And that's the same thing with the Pharisees under the law. If you're going to go by that law, you're not going to measure up. And if that's where you put all your hopes and dreams on your performance and whatever your hopes, dreams, and goals are, well, you know, when you're 12, when you're 21, you realize, you know what? I'm probably not going to be president. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm five foot four and I have no athletic ability, so I'm probably not going to win the World Series or even, you know, it, it's the realities come, and that's where Jesus is, you know, the opposite of all these religions and what we think. He's like, I'm going to do the work for you. And that's going to be your motivation to then put your trust in me. And so that's why he's flipping it on, on its head. So when you get to these six woes in 37, and we went through some of them, uh, you know, they noticed that he didn't, and we talked about that, wash before the meal, which was a, an amendment to the law that you had a ritual. And what does it do? It makes you have a sense that you're gaining God's blessing because of what you're doing. You're doing a ritual that's going to gain God's blessing, and since Jesus didn't do it, they were confronting him about it. And so then he gives them the speech, and we went through some of it. He's like, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Well, we know that he's talking about the heart there. Uh, then he's like, woe to you, Pharisee. You give a God a tenth of all these things, but you neglect justice and the love of God. So you're not fulfilling what the law was intended to do, which was love God and love your neighbor. But you think, oh, I gave a tenth, look how good I am. It, that, that narrative continues. So he, he then says in 43, you like or you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. So you want, you want the people to adorn you and say, oh, look how great you are. Because what does that mean? That means you're important. Status. That means you're special. I'm going I'm to have a special place in heaven because yeah. look how important I am. That's right. It and was then, status over service. I didn't understand the idea about serving people. Then the insulting thing where we left off last time is he in 44, he's like, you're like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. And he was, was really an insult. It was a huge insult. Because <laughs> he was like, really? You're just filled with dead men's bones and, and, and greed, and people don't realize how you're, you're a monster yeah. without us even knowing it. Yeah, Luke actually gave the much kinder version. You go over and read Matthews, he said just what Judge just said. You're like whitewashed tombs. I mean, on the outside, it looks like it's a nice place to bury somebody, but inside it's rotten to the core. It's like a horror movie. It's like a horror movie. It's a zombie. It's like somebody smiling at you in a movie, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have these these graphics, you know, where they change their face, look like they're 180 years old and big, long (laughs) teeth. That's basically what he was accusing them of. And so the expert in the law then said, well, you're, you're kind of insulting us Which is, here. by the way, you know, it's a huge insult when they were, oh, 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 we're contaminated. We're not going anywhere near a dead person. You know, that's so the then he, he gets into this hypocrisy saying you load people down with burdens and can har- that they can hardly carry, but you yourselves, you're not going to lift a finger. Because you're important. And that's a huge one, guys, because what he's saying is is that you are adding weight that doesn't need to be there. And imagine if you're if you're God in flesh and you came here to release humankind from the burden and weight of sinfulness, of breaking the law and feeling the guilt of that. And then he's looking at these guys, they're adding more to it. And he yeah. said, You don't lift a finger to help. I came here to die for it. One we of the experts of the law answered him, teacher, teacher, when you say these things now, you insult us also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, so then he makes a deal about you, them celebrating their heritage. And, you know, he's like, but you killed them. You're, your forefathers, you're the ones that killed all these people. 
And uh, so he, I mean, he just literally, it's one right after another. And he, another. you know, it's interesting, Jace, because he mentions, he mentions Abel and Zechariah. And, you know, they, in the, if you look back at the Old Testament, that's the two bookend martyrs. There were many there. Abel was the very first one martyred because of his belief in God, because he was sacrificing correctly. And then Zechariah is the last one listed chronologically. It doesn't, he's not the last in the, in the text, but he's the last one chronologically in Second Chronicles that was martyred because he was a man of God. So he mentions the bookend people that had been martyred, and he was like, "You're no better. That's that's what you're doing." Of course, he knows he, they're about to do it to him. So I mean, that's what he's getting at. Yeah. So you get him. to fifty-two, and his last woe, he says to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge which is Jesus is the key to knowledge, and the way he was working was through the power of the Holy Spirit, which Correct. was the vehicle there, which means they were keeping people from acknowledging that the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, and people, all people, as we'll see, can be a part of it. So I wanted to read, uh, you had this in your notes uh, in Acts 15, this would come up. Yeah, this is why it matters. Later, and we'll talk it. about this in the overtime, but I at least wanted to read it in verse. Starts in verse 5, gives you the setup for it. So in Acts 15, 5, here, you know, the then some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. So here they are, same people. Yep, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. So nothing changed. They're still saying, what you do on the outside is going to reward you from God. You're going to experience the blessing based on what you do. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, of all people, look, Peter gets up and says, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Which, what's the message of the gospel? Jesus, the good news of Jesus, mm -hmm. the king, him dying, being buried, being raised. God who knows the heart, which is really his whole argument to the Pharisees. Yes, Your heart is a million miles away. It's full of greed and bitterness. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's the vehicle by which you know God brings people, yep. just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, no. exclamation point. And here's where we're getting to. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. So when you go forward, you see that Jesus' plan, God's plan, through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, was to save all men, all men, yeah. Jew and Gentile, every person, no matter what, through his grace. And that would become the catalyst to love God and love your neighbor. Now, so we're out of time, but I'm so glad you read that verse. And we won't talk about it more in overtime because that really is the why, the, such the importance of the why we're talking about this now, because we see it represented even on the other side of the cross. And it still goes on today. So you got to deal with that. So we'll talk more about that in overtime. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where we'll be. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.